On this episode, we discuss Gemini Man. Not to be confused with Gemini Dan, my new podcast where Dan McCoy reads horoscopes for Geminis. You know, I am a Gemini. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> everyone, welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> I'm Elliot Kalin, trying to pick up the cues a little faster than everybody else today. And Dan, we've got a special guest with us today, don't we? Yes, uh, we've got our, um, well, I mean, she's our editor on this show, Jordan Cowling. She also is an associate producer at Max Fun. She produces uh, the wildly successful, as you described it, podcast mm-hmm. iPodius. Uh, and appears on it as well. Yes, that's true. Hello, Jordan. What's up, Hose? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's, 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 I mean, no, but that's Jordan's catchphrase. That's Jordan's classic catchphrase. It's like a Pucci. A Capucci thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now that we've introduced Jordan, we're going to swerve away from Jordan for a moment. Uh, and we're going to just take a brief moment to remind listeners, if they know already and tell them if they don't know, that we are going to do our live In Your House show uh, Saturday, June 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, the Flophouse will be doing our online version of one of our live uh, stage shows. We're going to have presentations. We're going to talk about the movie Howard the Duck. Uh, we're going to try to, in some way, simulate the idea of audience interaction. We're not quite sure what we're going to do with that. It probably will just involve Twitter or something. Uh, you will find it at youtube.com slash C slash the Flophouse Podcast. And you can find all the information about it at theflophousepodcast.com. It will be for charity. And there'll be a list of our approved charities uh, on that website, theflophousepodcast.com. And if you donate and send us the receipt, you'll be entered into raffles and stuff. And we'll go into that in more detail later. Now it's back to Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> Were you ready? Wait just a second. That's, that's Ju- June 6th at 6 p.m. Pacific. So that's right. 666. We're officially devil worshippers now. June 6th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Wow. For, for people on the East Coast, it's 669. Three more than the devil. Jordan, back to you. Uh, okay. Well, this is a podcast. You probably know that. Uh-huh. What do we do on this podcast? We watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Or, you know, maybe we don't know ahead of time. Sometimes it turns out to be good. Sometimes it turns out to be bad. Usually we've been led to believe it's bad. And on this episode, <laughs> as I said in the beginning, in the introduction. Yeah, d- wait, is this Memento? Hold on a second. Is this, are we last year at Marion Madding all yep. of a sudden? Hold on. Gemini mm-hmm. Man was what we watched, uh, starring William Smith. Uh-huh. Directed by Flophouse fave Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I do like him a lot. Yeah. Is he a Flophouse fave? I mean, he's a fave of mine. Okay. That's... Uh, but we I don't think we've ever done an Ang Lee movie. No, it was he, kind of a joke. Because he makes good movies. Because this is a comedy podcast, and I make oh. jokes sometimes. Logic checks out. Now, Jordan, you were interested in doing this movie, and I believe there's a ge- geographical reason. Yes, I've spent the last 10 years in, in West Philadelphia, not born and raised, but the playground is where I spent most of my days. <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to do, when you guys had, had uh, given me like a selection of, of movies that I could pick from, I saw this and I was like, yeah, we're gonna, definitely going to do a Will Smith movie. Um, I regret that decision, but you know, oh, life is about choices. No so what okay, are you gonna do? Well, we'll see as we go along. 
Well, we'll see what the reason is for that regret. Now, I I do have a question. Now, be on the playground those days. What were you doing there? Chilling, maxing, relaxing. All cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Shooting okay. some meatball outside of my no, school. It's it, for some reason that is I cannot remember so many things, and yet the lyrics to that song are buried so deeply in my yeah. brain that I'm sure on my deathbed <laughs> I'll be croaking them out yet <laughs> through my dementia at my grandchildren, and they'll be like, "He wasn't raised in West Philadelphia. Why is he saying these things?" At the end of his life, Dad thought he was raised in West Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, you, you imagine that later in life he lived with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a good song. It's a good theme song. It's a solid theme song. Tells you the story exactly what you do. Now, Stuart, I believe you are the summary man today <clears throat> for Gemini oh, I Man. Am, I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the movie opens in Belgium. We're introduced to Henry Brogan, played by Will Smith. And he That's right, Osmosis Jones himself, Will Smith. Uh, Wait, he was Osmosis no, Jones? No, he wasn't. He was not as you guys, Osmosis you guys, Jones. You fell into my trap. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Osmosis Jones would have been a bigger hit, because Will Smith's a huge name. No, Osmosis, um, Osmosis Jones was... was uh, who was it? He was the devil in that one dumb Colin Farrell oh, movie. Oh, the Chris Winter's Rock Tale, is right? Is that... Yep, yep. And he was a genie in Aladdin, so he's and now he's and now he plays a clone. So he's portrayed a number of uh, science fictional and mystical characters. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we open on. Oh, I hit the wrong button. We open in Belgium. Uh, Henry Brogan, played by Will Smith, is an assassin, and he uses a high-powered sniper sniper rifle to carefully shoot a bad guy who is riding on a high-speed train. It's an almost impossible shot, but he is just yeah. that. He's kind Good. of a dead shot, if you will. Uh, uh, I've never heard of that. Is that uh, a name of something? Did you just coin that <laughs> yep, phrase? I think that's uh, copyright 2020 Dan McCoy. Now, so he literally, like, this is a, a very fast-moving train. He literally makes the shot of this guy through a window of the train from hills, like, it looks like like a mile away or more. Now, why, he has a man on the train. Why doesn't that man just kill the guy? <laughs> Oh, actually, that's a good question. Guys? I think it's probably a lot easier to get away from an assassination if you're on the train with the body than if you are a mile away and just walk away. Yeah, but I mean, like, he could poison him. You know, it could be a subtle killing. It doesn't need to be, like... Dan, Dan, that come on. You've been reading too many Agatha Christie books. <laughs> okay. that's, not how, that's not how anybody does it, poison him. Dan, so, were you really hoping that they were uh, that the movie was going to open with poisoning the guy and then the whole thing's a murder mystery on the train? <laughs> Why not? So, uh, he manages this impossible shot, uh, and then we cut to a little bit later. Henry's hanging out on his uh, isolated home all by himself. It's in the country. It's nice. You know, he's wearing sweaters. He looks great. Uh, but you know what? He's retiring. He's getting old. He's lost a step. He's the best killer in the world, according to his handler, Dell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, you know, he's worried that you know what he they told him. You know what they... he might kill someone. You know what they told him when they assigned him that handler? What's that? They said, dude... You're getting a Dell. Uh-huh. Oh, I guess that would make sense because his his handler's name's Dell. But right? he misunderstood and he was like, Adele, the singer, mm-hmm. is going to be my handler? No, no, no. And they said, no, no, you're not getting Adele. You're getting Adele. Wait, but you just said, yeah, Adele, the singer, rolling in the deep, that one. And they're like, no, uh-huh. no, no, no. Hold on. Let me write the sentence out for you. And that's when he finally understood what they were saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Now, when, when Jordan came to us to be our editor... <laughs> Which I was very excited about, because uh, it was right when I was getting burned out that she appeared. 
Uh, we were told that she enjoyed the show, but watching her face as Elliot talks <laughs> would suggest. Oh, well, that's she doesn't she doesn't like that part oh, of the show. Okay. Her favorite part of the, of the show is when we sign off at the end, and she's like, "Ah, oh, it's over." My favorite part is when the song goes dun 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 dun. Yeah, then your curse is lifted for another no, two weeks. No, I'm kidding. I absolutely love this show, and I'm so happy to be on the show and talk about this really, really silly movie. <laughs> um, it's in some ways silly, in some ways serious. We'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so he's the best of the best. He's the best super killer, but he's getting tired of it. He can't look at himself and in the also, mirror anymore, right? He, but he's also got a weakness, guys. He's got a conscience. He doesn't want to shoot little kids on accident. <laughs> but this is the, he, <laughs> yeah. he has developed this conscience... Uh, 72 kills into his uh, life as an assassin. And that was one of my biggest problems with the movie right off the bat is I wasn't quite sure why we were supposed to sympathize with this guy who was like... Because he's Will Smith, Dan. Yeah. That's why we sympathize with him. That's actually Will a good Smith. point. <laughs> no, I know that that's what the movie makers count on, but I was like, oh, 72 kills in, you've suddenly realized that maybe shooting people is bad. Now, that, now, the clue to that might be also that this script apparently was floating around Hollywood trying to get made for about 20 years. And yeah, it was, it was one of those Blacklist scripts, right? Oh, and, was uh, it? Just for, the, for the people who are tuning in, uh, Blacklist scripts are scripts that James Spader writes down in his little <laughs> black book, and then Brit, Brittany Murphy's always trying to steal it. And uh, it, only when he's got a hat on, yeah. right? <laughs> no, of yeah. course. Yeah. He hides it in his hat. Stu is, of course, goofing. Black, blacklist scripts are scripts... <laughs> That a guy puts on a list claiming that they're the best scripts that haven't been produced, and then when they're made into movies, they're always a bad. Yeah, they're not there. I don't know that I've ever seen a blacklist <laughs> movie that was that turned out to be a good movie. Yeah, but I haven't seen them all. I don't know. But uh, this feels like a late '90s, early 2000s premise where we love assassins and we love people who shoot people. Uh, to be honest, though, people still like that. Like, why is Deadpool the hero of this movie? Because he's because he's he feels bad about himself. Like he kills lots of people. But uh, th this is a movie that a lot of different stars, they tried to make it with at one point or another. And I think it only really works with Will Smith at all because yeah. he's got so much natural charisma. And I totally buy him as someone who uh, is like the best at something and now wants to get out and they won't let him. But also because, hey, guys, guess what? He's now the Tommy Lee Jones of the Men in Black. That's right. He's the he's no longer the new young guy who's joining the secret government group. Now he's the old guy who wants to leave, and now it's like full circle. Okay. We all start wow. as Will Smith and we end up as Tommy Lee Jones. That's life. One thing that stood out to me in this movie is that there was a, almost a complete lack of charisma from Will Smith that I could that I could pick up on. He, well, it was. He's, he's, I'll give you that it's the least charisma that I think Will Smith has ever had in a movie. And there's a uh, uh, what about that one with his son where they're trapped on that planet? Oh, you're right. After Earth, that was where, where he, he plays like Zan, like like Cipher Rage or whatever is his character's name. Well, he's just uh, <laughs> I don't think that's his name. <laughs> I think that's that, a different but, one. That, well, he's uh, he's well, he's because he's a shell of a man. But you have to admit he's really good at fighting. Uh, but so Stuart, he just it's, wants to be so, in, he just wants to be on a boat, right? Yeah, so we're introduced to uh, our uh, our other lead of this movie. That's right, we're introduced to Danny, played by <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, and she is a she's just a grad student who just started working at the local marina. Now she and Henry have a little bit of fun. They do a little bit of flirting. He's I actually think he's pretty good at flirting for a murderous loner. You know, for a guy who lives all by himself and just kills people. 
you know, he's he's got he's got some. I jokes. mean, this is um, I will say this is like mild flirting though. Like uh, when we were watching, I would even go as far as to call it small talk. Yeah, like well, <laughs> Audrey was worried that she was going to end up being his love interest, and there is like a something like a uh, a sixteen year difference between them or something. Uh, but. Yeah, but she's isn't isn't she dating you and McGregor in real life? That's about the same. They're about Look, the same I'm not going right? to cast aspersions on anyone's uh, real life uh, uh, dating life. I'm just saying that it's a bad habit of of movies to always have this happen uh, with an older man and a younger woman. But to the movie's credit, I mean, I would I would date either of those guys. They're great. I, again, I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out. To the movie's credit, no, I, it does no, not shoehorn no, in a romantic uh, thing between them. Like, there's actually a scene where, uh, where like he says something like, "Oh, if he was the younger version of himself, maybe like like because there is spoiler alert a younger version of himself in this movie." Yeah, well, it's on the poster, yeah. so I think I think that's okay. That spoiler, but they I think one. Uh, Dan, the poll quote I think from this episode is that Dan thinks would not deign to date either Will Smith or Ewan McGregor. They're not; they're too old for him. No fogies. Uh, the other thing, the other thing it's I kind of weird is, though, because I think like between if you compare the two of them, uh, I feel like uh, Ewan McGregor's like later career stuff has been a little more exciting than Will Will Smith's uh, stuff. Why don't you guys discuss? <laughs> uh, but also, I would say that I bet you there was an earlier version of this script that was where they did have a relationship. Just just like there's a scene where later on where. Uh, she has to strip to show that she's not wearing a wire and it's handled as tastefully as that can be done where she's off camera for most of it. And I guarantee you there's a version of this movie that could have been made 20 years ago where it's a woman who takes off all their clothes yeah. on camera for that scene. Like it feels like there are times when this movie is kind of trying to fight what the movie, the shape that the movie yeah. is, is in. And, but I'm, I'm sure that original script, uh, Henry lived in like a warehouse that just had a bunch of like curtains draped around and he would be practicing his karate and his like, <laughs> like underpants for a bunch of, yeah. it. but he's also a huge fan of whatever bands they made a deal with to have on the soundtrack. So like garbage yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's huge with, or like, uh, I don't know, Chumbawamba or something or, uh, or <laughs> yeah. what's the, what, what's the band that did the walking on the sun song? Uh, Smash Mouth, yeah. like he's a big Smash Mouth fan. Like, I had the same thought though, Elliot, with that scene later on uh, where she's asked to strip to show she has animal wire because it was like Ang Lee like shoots it like so like he does not want the camera to be ogling her, which was uh kind of it was it was like a nice <laughs> much to Dan's. Angle. No, no, it almost makes you wonder. It almost makes you wonder why they left that well, that's part what in. I was going to say. It, was a, nice, it, it yeah. was a nice way of handling it, but I'm like, you know, you can just cut that scene, right? <laughs> like, you can just change the <laughs> the script if you don't want to be exploitative. But anyway. Oh, so anyway, I but I think and later on, I think it's implied. I mean, he it's the young Will Smith. We is, we are told is a virgin, and it's kind of implied that the older Will Smith is a virgin, which makes me think that the kind of light small talk flirting he does is actually supposed to be not that attractive so that he can deflect women who are drawn into his natural charisma. It really comes off to me. This was the point in the movie I, I nicknamed Henry uh, uh, Sensitive Incel because he really came off <laughs> a creepy guy to me, especially yes. with that, yes. that relationship with Danny, which was really weird because I... I I wouldn't judge anyone, you know, for an age difference in a relationship, you know, as long as pe- two people are consenting adults. But th- there was an age difference yeah, yeah, between yeah, the two uh, Fresh Prince and, and Fresh King characters. <laughs> um, yeah, it was he was kind of what? a weirdo. 
Yeah, I think it's a weirdo, but it's also, I think if you, I would read it as that, that flirting is him trying to flush out whether she is a spy, which is the thing that he, which is ultimately subjective. But I think you're right. Sensitive incel is a good way to describe it, especially because when you clone someone, it involves their cells and going in the cell. Yeah. Well, we're jumping all over so, the place. Let's get back to Stu here. Yeah, we're jumping all over the place yeah. like a regular Gemini man. Yeah. Uh-huh. So instead of jumping all over the place, we're going to jump onto a boat where Henry <laughs> takes a boat out to see his friend Jack, who has a matching tattoo with him. So they clearly have history. Uh, they are hanging out on Jack's yacht. Yacht's just one of those guys who wears a shirt buttoned down to about the middle of his chest, and he's old, <laughs> but he's got a young girlfriend. You know, he's one of those guys. And he's ex uh, he's, like, he's, like, retired a little bit, but he's still, you know, he's still cool. Uh, <laughs> but he's still got his finger in the game because he just got information that Henry's last hit, who he thought was a bad guy, is not actually a bad guy, that he'd been lied to by his contact at the DIA, which is a government organization that he seems to take hits from. Now, this this uh, this character was one of several where I'm like, all these older white guys want to show that they're real cool with Will Smith and that he thinks they're really cool friends. Like, there's just a string of them throughout where it's like his different bosses and and buddies that he works with who are all like, hey, man, great to see you. And he, like, gives them a big hug. And I was like, all these guys want to want to brag to their kids, I guess, that they're, they're big friends with Will Smith. But I don't think mm-hmm. it came off as realistic. Uh, Do you guys think Elliot, so? Elliot, I, ju- I think you may be misunderstanding something about the movie. He's not playing himself Will Smith. <laughs> he, is a, he is a man who is, a, who is employed mm. by them. I thought it was called Will Smith Gemini Man. <laughs> I mean, it probably would have done better in theaters uh, under that title. Although they, it's not like people didn't know that Will Smith was in the film. Or there I mean, were two to be of honest, them. How, how different would the movie be if he was not a government assassin, but he was Will Smith, movie star? <laughs> I, and he was found out he was clones. I mean, I feel like that's an interesting idea that they're like, this guy has made the studio so much money, they now need to replace him with the younger version. I mean, in a way, that's such an interesting meta-commentary on the current state of mm. digital effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what After Earth was supposed to be. Jay, what's his son's name? Jaden? Jalen? He was supposed to be the new Will Smith, except he can't act at all so do you think it's possible that he's a clone that they just raised as his son and they were like this is how i keep going i think that's absolutely possible in fact it is that's exactly what happened (laughs) wow as a a former not exactly native of philadelphia but resident this you're privy to that sort of information yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great so uh while they're having this conversation uh, we cut to a secret chamber somewhere in a government building where uh, his, the leader or head of the DIA, a woman who goes by Lassiter, uh, and uh, Clive Owen, uh, everybody's favorite English guy, playing a character <laughs> named Cla- I know, no, <laughs> Stuart, my favorite English guy is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I know he's fictional, okay. but and he's I still think your qualifies. second favorite English guy is Michael Caine, right? <laughs> no, he's just he's just the English guy most associated with me. Oh, I see. And of uh, course, my favorite English guy is the beef eater on the beef eater gin bottle because I like his hat. <laughs> uh, and Jordan, who's your favorite English guy? Uh, John Boyega. Oh, oh actually, that's a good, good call. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, Clive, Clive Owen is playing a character named Clay Varus, uh, and they are uh, the two of them are surveilling Henry and Jack on their yacht using some kind of a drone. I'm assuming. And they listen into the conversation. They realize that Henry knows that there's something up and they decide he's too big of a risk and they need to get rid of him. He cannot retire. They're going to kill him uh, or retire him permanently. Uh, but 
his his former boss, uh, the DIA, wants to handle it internally, though Clive Owen thinks he should use his own team, a thing called Gemini. Now, I want to I want to say something here. So if he was retiring anyway, mm-hmm. did he really need to uh, know this information? Because it seems like this is the information that triggers uh, Clive Owen to want to kill him. This is like the only loose end that really needs to be tied up with Will Smith. So it's not really nice of his friend to be like, hey, you, you shot this uh, this wrong dude. You're right, Dan. You're right. It was not nice of his friend to tell him that he had been suckered and led to kill an innocent person. He should have just let him just retire blissfully with that stain on his soul. And when he showed up in hell and the <laughs> devil was like, you killed 71 gr- bad people and one good person. And that's why you're here. And then Will Smith would look up to heaven and his friend Jack would be like, Sorry, pal, oh. I just didn't have the heart. Oh, and I'm just sorry. rides his you, cloud yacht into the gates of heaven. Do you think that anything Will Smith does in the rest of this film like makes up for killing that guy? I'm not really sure what you're... I mean, I was watching the director's cut where every now and then it, sh- it cuts to God going, I'll allow it. Oh, okay. And then at the end, his heart is weighed by yeah. Anubis. And Anubis is like, you just made it. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think there was originally a sequence like in uh, Dead or Alive 2 where the... Hitman is killing a bunch of people and then sending the money to starving people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he grows angel wings. So, Dan, you say the real villain of this movie is not Clay Varys, who, without uh, Henry's knowledge, clones him and, and raises that that boy into a murder machine man mm-hmm. uh, and then creates, spoiler alert, even more bad stuff. But it's actually his friend Jack who ruined his retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, he was going to go away and not shoot anyone anymore, and now uh, he's got to shoot a bunch of people to to protect himself. So, uh, well, with that in mind, <laughs> uh, uh, we hey, get guys, to see... Remind, hand- me, remind me to say at the end that the real Gemini was the friends we made along the way, because he does end up okay. with a circle of friends at Dan, the end. Dan, put I that mean, in the notes. Can't you say put- it now? I think he did say it now, actually. Well, we haven't met the friends yet, though, so the audience, yeah. audience forget I said okay. that. Oh, so uh, speaking of friends, uh, Henry and Danny are having a little bit of playful flirting as he ferrets out that she's actually working for the DIA to uh, monitor Henry. Uh, I think it was kind of of a tip off when uh, Danny ordered Henry the beer he likes to drink before he arrived. Well, it was I think it was more of a tip off when he like hassles her very threateningly about whether she's going to be she's like uh, spying on him. And she denies it and denies it and denies it, but then agrees to go to dinner with him. <laughs> like, something that I think <laughs> would only make sense if she was surveilling him. Fair. That's why he's the sensitive incel, because if, I mean, yeah, she was spying on him, but just if I was a regular woman out on the street and a guy comes up to me and he's like, no, I got I got to go to your house. Oh, let me buy you a <laughs> I would I would be like... I would pepper spray him, so I just don't understand why we treat this as normal <laughs> yeah. in this movie. It's not normal. It is the spy. It is the spy equivalent of when a girl breaks up with a guy, and the guy is like, "Give me your reasons. What's your reason for breaking up with me? Because if it's not a good enough reason, we're still going out." But in this case, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, she's like, "I'm not a spy. Oh yeah, take me to your house so I can search it for spy stuff. Uh, well, yeah. why don't we just go that's, on a date instead?" That's, that was the probably the wildest part. That's like the equivalent of me like lecturing a woman on the merits of a katana and then making her go on a date with me. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was you, uh, seeing him to, to make that impossible shot on the train. I was like, yeah, it's a movie. But then seeing the scene, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I want to say that Stuart did it the right way. He made someone marry him and then lectured her on the benefits of the katana. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's why he's been recording from a storage space the past couple weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess... Uh, 
my family drama is all out in the open, guys. <laughs> and so, so, uh, so they, so she, he, she admits that she is a spy, right? Yeah, but but they seem kind of cool with it. Like they make some jokes and shit, whatever. Um, however, the DIA is not cool with it, and they make their own move to clean up this mess. They send a team and that kills Jack on his yacht. And they kill uh, they kill Henry's buddy Marino while he's out on a on a surveillance mission. Uh, they send a team to kill Henry, but he just he smokes him. Uh, and then he goes and he wakes up Danny creepy style. And then she agrees to team up with him. And then they go kill some more goons and figure out <laughs> well, who's trying to kill. Well, them. she <laughs> she agrees to kill the team up with him because they're trying to kill her too. It's <laughs> like. Like she kind of does it out of uh, necessity to stay alive. It's not like she's like. I mean, you that made was, a good point. That was, but that was one of the points where I was like, "Well, why did they send anyone to kill her? No, why didn't I they agree. just reassign her?" Yeah, I. And then the only thing I could think of is maybe she, because she was surveilling him, she also heard the stuff on the boat. I don't know, but otherwise, it does not make sense that they're like, like she's not a loose end at this point. No. This was my second favorite part of the movie because he comes to her house. I guess he breaks in. She's sleeping in bed and he's just like, you're burnt. I'm burnt. Everybody's burnt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is definitely incel nonsense. <laughs> yeah, the there's a fair amount of presumptiveness for coming off of Henry. Um, but there was, I did like the scene when she is trying to get the keys to the boat in the little boat shack and she gets jumped by a dude. And the whole time I was assuming that Henry was going to save her, but nope. She whips that dude's ass and uh, finds out the information they need. So that I was think, cool. And I think Mary uh, Elizabeth Winston, I mean, like, she she also in Bridge of Prey, but I think she's, like, really good in these action roles. I I, li- I mean, I like her a lot as an actress in general, but yeah. but she just, uh, I don't know. She, she had a solid competence radiating off of her in this part. She didn't oh, just whoop his ass. She, like broke all of his teeth and handed them to Will Smith like someone asked you for change for a dollar. It was pretty bad. <laughs> and I wanted Will Smith to be like, ooh, why did you hand me teeth? It was weirder that he just threw them back in his mouth like they were Tic Tacs and just went, and was just like, cool, now I got extra teeth. And he's like, is this your change for the keys? What's <laughs> I gave you a twenty. It was it was a better fight scene than in Last Blood when Rambo just sticks his fingers into a man's uh, sternum and or not sternum it sticks, it sticks his fingers and just rips out a man's collarbone. Uh, <laughs> this this was almost as nonsensical. I don't, I don't think that counts as a fight scene. Well, he, <laughs> yeah. he was fighting the surface tension of the man's skin to get in there and yeah, get that collarbone right. out. You're right. Uh, I'm wrong. You're right. Uh, okay, so. Uh, they, you know, uh, there's, you know, another feverish meeting between Clive Owen and the head of the DIA. And he's like, I think we need to send Gemini after him again. I have a special soldier to clean up this mess. Uh, whatever, you know, we, we know who that special soldier is going to be in a second. So Henry then calls another old war buddy with another matching tattoo. Uh, a guy named Baron, who's also retired, played by Benedict Wong, who is very charismatic and fun. Mm-hmm. You may know him uh, as you know, uh, one of the other wizards from the Doctor Strange corner of the MCU. His character's mm-hmm. name is Wong, Dan. It's his real last name. Like, it's just, it's not that hard to remember. I didn't say I didn't yeah. remember his name. I was explaining who he was in a way that would appeal to the widest swath of our audience. Perhaps people who and don't memorize he... character names. 
All he used to say is, is he that... plays Wong, Doctor Strange's uh, 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 assistant. Uh, I don't think there was Strange anything movies. wrong with the way I described who he was. But the way you just, it, 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 I think it raised more questions than it answered because suddenly I was like, how many wizards are there in the Doctor Strange corner of the Marvel Universe? Does his character have a name? I mean, as far as I know, he doesn't. I mean, there was Tilda Swinton before, uh, spoiler alert, she gets killed. Uh, there were the other, like, monks at her, like, uh, Doctor Strange uh, retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, so this is so if you're describing Gemini guess, Man, guess he'd, Baron he'd, Mordo doesn't count anymore. Yeah, huh? well, just that if if Dan was about Gemini Man, he'd be like Will Smith stars as one of many special ops soldiers in Gemini Man. <laughs> like, well, no, he's this, one of the major characters uh, in the movie. Just I mean, I don't know when the last time you saw Doctor Strange was, Elliot, but there are several notable <laughs> masters of the mystic arts in that film. Be like, now C three PO is one of many droids in the Star oh, Wars God. universe. <laughs> this was a very needless. Uh, now, next, track. next we're introduced. So, next we're introduced to Darth Vader, one of many Imperial officers in the Imperial mm-hmm, Navy. Mm-hmm. That's the Empire's armada that enforces the Emperor's laws throughout the galaxy. Okay. So Benedict Wong in this movie, his character is that like, you know that 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 type of character that shows up in an action adventure movie. He's the like retired friend who only wears Hawaiian shirts yeah. and like can fly a plane yeah. like and he's, that's you know that's it's everybody's the, dream. he's totally burn noticing he's also the, the friend yeah. in every one of these movies who's like willing to drop everything in including his home to uh help the hero like he gets burned too and can't go back and he's like well whatever I mean, he literally gets burned to death eventually <laughs> oh spoiler spoiler alert <laughs> in, in case you want to stop the podcast now and watch Run the out movie and watch it. <laughs> okay, so uh, Baron hides them out in his home in Cartagena, uh, and he Henry tracks down. He uses a phone to call and threaten his old handler Dell, and Dell kind of spills a little bit of the the history of Gemini, uh, which is a private military contractor that is run by Clay Varis, played by Clive Owen, and uh, it. They're involved in some way. I don't remember exactly which parts of the the background is explained at this point, but it's one of multiple info dumps that are kind of spread out throughout the movie. There's also a brief moment of uh, Baron just watching soccer on TV with his dog that I really liked a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, of course, a killer tracks them to to Cartagena. Uh, Henry leads the killer away uh, so that his friends can escape. He gets the drop on that killer, but guys... What makes this killer different? Uh, he's he's mostly computer animation. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, well, maybe. I don't, I don't know the actual technical details, but it looks like a younger version of Henry. It looks like a young Will Smith. And guys, I'm uh, going to go out on a limb here. This action sequence is phenomenal. This is a f- yeah, it's great. great action sequence. Uh, like, it goes on for a while, and it's, you know, super well choreographed. Although there are, like, weird moments like toward the end where uh younger henry is like beating up older henry using a motorcycle and older henry seems uh, only sort of mildly inconvenienced by this and i kept expecting there to be another shoe that was dropping saying that uh will smith was a super soldier of some kind because i had no idea how he's still alive after being slammed he- with a motorcycle wheel <laughs> that he should get sh- that sh- he kind of shrugged off getting hit in the face with a motorcycle <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Having seen Pet Cemetery too, I know that a motorcycle wheel is the ideal way to kill somebody. There's also the part where he, uh, where Junior, the young clone, he swipes the motorcycle wheel under, and Will Smith 
get with all like like a frog would leaps in, uh, in the air just high enough to do it yeah. and it's like you can kind of see the wires pulling his clothes up <laughs> at that moment and so it's like there, there there were moments where it was this amazing action scene and in the end they kind of ran out of realistic things for him to do and it briefly became commando yeah. but that was okay you know why not it's a movie about clones why not yeah I love I love that you also you also this is an action scene that begins in one place and it turns into a chase and it uh you really get a sense of the geography of Cartagena. It looks like a really beautiful city. You really learned the schedule of most of the working people of Cartagena because early on in the fight there is nobody on the streets mm. and then suddenly yeah. there is tons of people. So it's like they're they're fighting past when everybody wakes up and showers and then it's time to go to work because they were running mm-hmm. around the streets of Cartagena just firing guns at each other for a while and I was like, "Oh, I guess Nobody's up and about, but when it turns into a chase sequence on motorcycles and you need cars to zoom around, suddenly there are people yeah. everywhere. And I'm going to tip my yeah. hand a little bit here and say, like, uh... No, Dan, there's a drink in oh, it. Yeah. It's going to spill everywhere. Uh, no, it, 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 the, we said that this is a good action sequence. Uh, a lot of the shots, like, this movie is shot beautifully. Like, there are a lot of, like, things that could be just boring, like, exposition shots that they he finds some interesting way of... Of, of framing or of, uh, you know, like doing the choreography of the scene. And it really is like, okay, this like mo- this script that isn't much of anything got handed to a really, really good director. And you can see that. It is a movie where the whole time you're like, why did Ang Lee make this movie? Yeah. I like how, and I like how like bright and colorful most of the movie is, but particularly this action scene. Yeah. There's, a, uh, there's okay, a part so, in this action scene where there's one shot where there's a lot of firing and then young Will Smith slides down a palm tree and throws a grenade in and Will Smith just slaps it out of the way <laughs> so that it, and then it explodes down below him. And I had I watched that, I think, three times. <laughs> was, yeah, I watched it as almost as many times as I watched that footage of the protester uh, full volleying a gas canister being lobbed at him that was floating around Twitter the other day. Um, okay, so not to let the real world bleed into this uh, silly movie. Um, okay, we, we don't want to uh, let the real world bleed into this movie about a black man whose body is used as property by yeah. a paternalistic older white man who yeah, who, the, yeah. who who pretends that he's the, a good friend of this young black man and a father figure while using him as a as a soldier and a tool, and then later develops another young black man who can't feel pain. There's a lot of things going on underneath this movie that the movie is just kind of not dealing. Oh with, shit! You know? Gemini Man is a documentary. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to all this stuff over time, I'm sure. The, um, okay, so there's, uh, the, 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 the chase and fight sequence ends. It looks, uh, Henry seems to be holding back. He knows there's something up. Junior is, before Junior's able to kill him, uh, and also, I kind of like that, like, they specifically show Junior's gun running out of ammo, so that's why he's using his motorcycle to try and kill Henry. Uh, okay, but then the cops show up, uh, Junior runs, uh, Henry is briefly arrested, and then immediately is uh, gets yeah, out of jail. Yeah, this is sort of hand-waved away. Like... Yeah, they're like, yeah. Uh, I mean, also the fact that they're like, if we're going to go where we need to go, we're going to need a private airplane. Wait, I know a guy. Cut to them yeah. on a private airplane. That was the moment where I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> I do like that they have a little bit of ta- throwaway dialogue, too, as they're leaving the police station where, like, Henry's, like, to Danny, who had, like, got sprung him from jail. He's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that was great. So, uh, yeah, so they they borrow a jet. Uh, we get a little bit of backstory in the two of them. They're on their way to Budapest, where they're going to try and meet up with Yuri, the contact of uh, his, his former friend Jack, uh, 
that had given him the information that the la- Henry's last hit had actually been a bad job. And Yuri uh, okay. is a big so, fan of uh, of Henry and like makes specific reference to a lot of stuff that Henry did recently in a way that, uh-huh. you know, like Henry comments on. I'm like, oh, OK, this is going to be some sort of plot thread and it does not develop anything like I guess he no, just they're, has they're... like uh, ESPN Henry that he watches at home <laughs> and knows everything that he does. They're, they're edging into uh, um, John Wick. Oh, character. Why can't I remember? John you know, Wick. those can't. Yeah, John Wick stuff where it's like, oh, he's a famous assassin who has fans who follow yeah. his exploits. <laughs> like, in a, it, there was a certain point in Marvel Comics where Wolverine became famous, and I was like, uh, this character doesn't work for me the same way if everyone recognizes him. <laughs> the, I mean, I think, I think it... I'm, I, I could be giving the movie too much credit, but I think it's implied that uh, later on we find out that uh, Henry is being tracked because he has been chipped. Yeah. Uh, and I, I suspect that Yuri is using some kind of spy satellite to watch this badass assassin battle dudes, but That's I could be wrong. Very possible. Uh, I mean, I, if I had access to that stuff, I'd watch all kinds of crazy battles. <laughs> um, battle dudes, <laughs> battle toads, uh, mm-hmm. any sort of battles. Yeah. Battle bots. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So, uh, meanwhile, we cut to Junior. This young assassin that looks exactly like Henry, but a younger version. And he is recuperating in this palatial manor house. And it's the house of Clay Varys. Oh, no. He's like, uh, they have this like weird father-son dynamic, which I wrote down, but is wrong. Because they're actually father-son in this case. Adopted son, obviously. Um, But Junior can tell that there's something different or wrong about this job. Uh, Clay treats him both as a son, but he's also like... An emotionally abusive father in this case. He's, uh, he's, he's made, he makes Junior, obviously, he's making his son kill people. So that's not good. <laughs> it's like Varsity Blues. If instead of James Vanderbeek being forced to play high school football, he was being forced to murder people all over Thank the globe. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what I was reaching for, Elliot. Thank you. You know, also, like, I think it's because I watch too many movies. Like, this is one of those things that if you're, like, a viewer of a movie, like, you're like, ugh, why don't people realize this thing already? But in real life, you wouldn't realize that you're a clone <laughs> immediately. But at the same time, <laughs> like, Henry Jr. Uh, seems very, like, it takes him a long time to be like, hey, I look exactly like a young Will Smith. Well, the scene- I've, been watching a, I've been watching a couple episodes of the new Twilight Zone, and I like it. But it feels like every single episode, the character figures out what's going on, like, three or four scenes too slow for yeah. me and i'm like no dude this is happening come on come on you made a deal with the devil i mean i thought it was especially strange that it happened while he was channel surfing and hancock happened to be playing on fx and he was like oh i look like hancock and clay Varys is like no no no, hancock's not a real person I, I could almost excuse uh junior not recognizing that he looks just like the older henry but i can't excuse henry not recognizing his own younger face like if i saw yes. someone who was that was me at the age of 20, I would look, that's me. It's like, obviously someone has cloned me because I remember what I look like. Yeah, but he's, he's uh, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he has that face blindness thing that Oliver oh. Sacks writes about. So he actually thinks Junior is a hat. Oh, no. Seems like seems like a terrible quality for an assassin. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's why the 72 people, that was two missions. <laughs> uh, so uh, the weird thing is that we also learned. So 
Uh, we learn that Junior's a clone, but we also learn that he's called Junior because he was gestated inside the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Movie crossover. <laughs> oh, man. That isn't that weird. Check the dates, dude. Uh, check the dates. They check out. So this is where we, we really get a, a good look at the digital effects of the young Will Smith. And what do you guys think? I actually, I thought they were pretty good. And like, I, I really like the, the emotion that they, they are able to get out of like the young Will Smith face. You know, you guys know me. I'm usually pretty tough on CGI humans that are supposed to look real. I thought in the scenes where he's not with Will Smith, it was really convincing to me. But for some reason, every time he was with Will Smith, I would be like, oh, wait a minute. It looks like he's talking to a cartoon character version of himself. I thought he looked weird in like the first scenes. Then I think I just got used to it. But I will say, like, I liked the movie's first hour because it was so sun-drenched. And then the second hour, things got really dark all the time. Like, they were always doing stuff at night. And I think it was because they had computer-generated Will Smith talking to real Will Smith all the time. And it was like, uh, we got to put, put put this in the dark or else people are going to be like, this looks weird. I think maybe I've been, wa- well, I've been watching a lot of uh, reruns of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air recently. So I wasn't convinced. There are certain scenes where the young where junior looks convincing to me. There are other scenes, specifically the last, the final scene, where it just looks like a cut, a cut scene. De- yeah, d- yeah. Definitely, as the, that last scene where they're where they're like with like the like wrap up scene of the three of them, he looks uh-huh. terrible. Yeah, it's that's that's arguably the worst movie, uh, worst scene in the whole movie. So, uh, yep, yeah. let me see where we're at. Okay, uh, we get a shot of a like a Gemini training facility uh, where we see this like team of armored black ops dudes blowing stuff up in like a like a training course, and Junior's watching it the whole time and kind of analyzing it. Uh, and, uh, of course we're going to see that black ops team later. They're going to show up. You don't introduce them this and waste time on them. This was when I started asking the question that you really shouldn't ask with this, which is like, what was the, what's the economics of Gemini? <laughs> Cause they seem to spend so much money. They have a whole fake town yeah. with actors yeah. playing townspeople so that they could train like six dudes and they put all this money into cloning one, possibly two Will Smith's as we'll learn later, like how much are they charging the government on these for their emissions? Because they seem to spend a lot of it on facilities, uh, R&D, and that, you know, Clay Varys' house looks pretty sweet. I'm sure he's raking in a pretty nice yeah. salary. Well, the other thing about this, too, is, like, you start asking the question, you know, I don't think it will surprise anyone to learn that uh, Clive Owen does not make it out of this movie alive as the villain. All villains must be killed. Even villains. though his name has live in it. Yeah, but... uh <laughs> so yeah. he, see live right. he dies yep. and then like uh it's a, a it counts he dies and then like uh you know basically all the loot it's one of those things where like oh we've killed the villain all the loose ends are tied off because i guess like the idea is supposed to be that he was a loose cannon within the government and they just like are, are like cutting cutting ties the same way and it's just like they like the government was clearly putting a lot of money into cloning someone like i don't yeah. i don't think that just because they killed the one guy, this would stop being a problem. I don't know. Well, well, they, they, Gemini was putting money into cloning people. Yeah. Because Gemini is a private organization. And that's why oh, I wonder okay. if there was uh, – I want to see the scene where he's on the phone with his unicorn investors. And they're <laughs> like, when is Gemini going to start showing a profit? And he's like, the future of assassination isn't about profit, man. It's about uh-huh. market dominance. <laughs> We're disrupting yeah, yeah. how people are killed. Yeah, there was a there was a scene in the movie that was cut where Clay Varys went on the Joe Rogan show. Oh boy, <laughs> he's like 
He's like, it's it's a volume business. As soon as we have enough Will Smiths on the street, we'll start making money. <laughs> well, we're looking at the numbers, and that doesn't really make sense. Hey, I just need another five hundred million, and maybe someday. Okay, so yeah, what uh, what you guys are saying is that uh, the government isn't evil. This one rogue company is evil. Well, okay, I mean, cool. I, I mean, cert- certainly parts of the government are very evil too. But the rogue company can also be evil. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so uh, wait, I lost my notes. Okay, so meanwhile in Budapest, Danny goes to get a DNA test of some blood and uh, and some stuff from Will Smith. Uh, including a, a hat including yep. a hat and so he, she goes to get a dna test and guys guess what turns out they're a hundred percent each other <laughs> <laughs> get it get it okay uh so yeah it turns out like so uh danny reveals that not only do, is their dna similar it is exactly identical the junior is henry's clone and henry thinks about it and then he's like okay <laughs> <laughs> well i also like that that once I have to assume once he was like they're like they cloned you he's like oh now the company name makes sense Gemini because there's nothing <laughs> particularly Gemini about like having a private soldier organization but if they're making twins then the name makes sense and he calls up Clive Owen and he's like is this why you chose the name Gemini because you were going to clone someone at some point and Clive is mm-hmm. like it's just a happy yep. coincidence man my first uh-huh. wife was a Gemini she wanted me <laughs> yeah. to name the company after her so I named it after her star sign Yep, he's like, this company has big Gemini energy. <laughs> yeah, he's really into crystals. <laughs> I would like, love. No. You know how into astrology I am. Oh, you're such a Taurus. Only a Taurus <laughs> would say that. That would that's a, that's a character thing I would have loved is if it turned out that Clive Owen's character was really into astrology and was always like doing junior star charts and he's like I don't know if it works the same as you because you weren't born you were cloned and we grew you in a vat but if, uh, maybe if it's you the want same. that kind of. If you want that kind of character work, you hire Nicholas fucking Cage to do your movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He would have done star charts for everybody on set. He'd be carrying crystals around. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So how, uh, how, how, where are we at? Wait, how likely? So he's supposed to play the Tiger King in that Tiger King TV show. How likely do you think it is that he buys a real tiger to keep in his house to prepare? And we're assuming he doesn't already own a tiger. <laughs> that's a fair. That's right. I should not have made that assumption. <laughs> because what do you uh, keep a tiger in? A cage. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. Uh, so Jordan, you're you're editing all this out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're just editing it on the. Now, fly. is this the same scene where where Danny has the line, "Nelson Mandela couldn't kill a man on a moving train from two kilometers away"? <laughs> yeah, because he's like, "Why don't they clone Nelson Mandela?" I was like, "Yikes, movie! What? Why leave Nelson Mandela alone? He didn't." He didn't. What, I mean, what, to, what, why are you gonna drag Nelson Mandela like that? And also, how do we know he never had the chance? Well, that's the thing. Like I like the movie lost a step with me with <laughs> by not having Will Smith say something like like we don't know <laughs> he could have been taught. <laughs> well, here's now here's something about uh, now as well. I, I this is getting a little ahead of us, but as we later learn, a Junior also has uh, Henry's conscience which again as we know his conscience only kicked in after 72 kills and 30 (laughs) years on the job but uh something i learned recently talking to a celebrity dog groomer was that when you clone an animal they look exactly the same but they do not have the same personality because they are raised differently so here's my pitch for you guys about this movie what if it was the same movie but the young henry was totally 
totally amoral, loved being an assassin, was so eager to get old Henry out of the way because he doesn't want this old man clogging up his face. And he could just be, would that be a better movie or a worse movie? Well, discussion. I mean, like the movie keeps trying to claim, like Clive Owen's like, we edited it out all of your like doubt and conscience. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like he seems to be basically the same dude. If he could edit that stuff out, how come they couldn't edit out Junior being allergic to bees? <laughs> That's a very good point. And it's something that is brought up multiple times for minimal plot development. And you'd think that would be the first thing they're like, they're like, we got to send Junior on a mission to Macedonia. Wait, 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 wait. It's not near those beehives, right? Uh, it is. Mm. Okay, forget it. Send somebody else. He's lying down in a field in the first scene. I feel like once he actually does get poisoned, like, I wish that Will Smith would have said, my one weakness, bees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you think, uh, do you think colony collapse all over the world and the, and the demise of bees is just yeah. Gemini trying to clear the way to make it so that Junior can <laughs> operate anywhere on the globe? <laughs> They're like, it'll yeah. easier. Mur- mur- murder hornets are their latest, uh, <laughs> latest weapon. Yeah, yeah. In the He's... fight against bees. So, uh... So Henry Henry meets with Yuri, uh, his friend's contact, uh, in a bathhouse, of course, because he's Russian. Um, and he gives uh, he gives another info dump. I think it kind of explains all the basics uh, that Gemini has this cloning facility. They're trying to make clone soldiers. Yada yada yada. And the, the Russian that he killed in the first scene on the train was actually the scientist who was working on the cloning project. Exactly, um, and that and that. Uh, the Varus took him out, I guess, so that they couldn't share that information. I don't quite remember. There's a lot of information, but it's all exactly what you'd expect. Uh, the only kind of surprise is that Yuri reveals that he's a big fan of Henry's and that he has been watching some of his shootouts. How did this happen? Doesn't matter. It doesn't. He has a uh, he has a guy, a delivery guy, a show up messenger. with a phone, a bike messenger. Thank you. And he has paid this bike messenger to deliver a phone to her. Uh, and they call and have a well, phone conversation. Sorry, before that, the bike messenger reads a, a long message about, like, hey, uh, you know, like, you tried to kill me. I'm going to kill you. I know where you live. I know you're, like, where where you go to get your coffee. And the bike messenger seems totally cool with delivering this message. <laughs> hey, yeah, man, it's a gig he, economy. He got paid $1,000. Yeah. Of course, he'll deliver what he probably thinks it's some prank. He's like, where's Ashton in a van somewhere? <laughs> yep. where, where are the impractical jokers? So wait, did this I'm guy just also this message. just like wake up from a really, really long sleep? Dan, it's a 20-year-old screenplay. <laughs> okay. That was, Punked was still on the air back okay. then. So this thing that's not yeah. in the movie, <laughs> because the screenplay yeah. is so old. It makes exactly. Sense. Okay. Yes, thank you. That's why everyone in the movie is talking about how great The Matrix was. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I did, I did the scene a disservice. It, it has some humor in it. But so he basically bargains with his old boss uh, for Danny's life. Um, and he sets up an exchange where he will turn her over, but he'll only turn her over to the killer who had been sent to kill him, Junior. Uh, and they set up a meet in a castle in Budapest. Well, it's, they're like which, they're like catacombs. It's like they're uh, they're like grave catacombs. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it's like a castle. It's like a tourist attraction. Uh, this is where Junior makes uh, to check Danny for bugs because he's nervous that uh, you know he's he's just being cautious. He makes her strip in a both exploitative but restrained scene, uh, and he checks her for uh, like a, he checks her for bugs, and she the whole time is like 
trying to get to know him. She's asking him a bunch of questions. She's talking quite a bit. She's explaining what's happening. She's trying to work on his emotions. Uh, he takes her to these catacombs uh, and he sets up a whole bunch of traps. But Henry, of course, gets through these. Uh, he, uh, he gets through all the traps that have been set up because the whole time Danny had been messaging Henry through a hidden bug. Uh, and we have a fi finally we have uh, old Henry and Junior, the younger version of him. Uh, they have a face off and they uh, they start, you know, they have they have Junior dead to rights and they lay out the situation to him. But he is not buying yeah. it. OK, now, technically, it's not a face off because they both have the same face on. Mm. Oh, OK, so uh, rewind the tape, guys. So it's a face on <laughs> and <laughs> it's a head on and now, applied now, directly to the forehead situation. <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Those ads. Now, uh, so, Jor Jordan, is this what you wanted to see from a Will Smith movie? Is Will a younger Will Smith hitting him and older himself in the face with a bone that he grabbed out of a wall? <laughs> I, I actually did want to see more of this in the movie. This was the only, one of the only times where the movie was kind of not taking itself too seriously and it was just kind of silly and and i was having a good time so yeah i wanted more of this i mean the, the again the junior doesn't look real to me in any way it would be if, if will smith was fighting you know the younger robert de niro from the irishman it would have been you know equally. <laughs> mm -hmm. or if like or if like uh like one of the digital characters from one of Disney's new live action remakes was battling the animated version. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they could get Will Smith and then his Aladdin character to to fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I I will say uh, uh you know like Henry gets the best of Junior like in basically every situation, and I guess the movie plays it off like okay, it's because like he's cagier most of the time, like like uh living so long has. Well, he's more experienced. Given him more experience, but in in like these fights, I think also you can you see that they have made the younger version of Will Smith like smaller. Like uh, he's not as jacked as fifty year old Will Smith, and I think that is to be like to give it a, a way that fifty year old Will Smith could possibly win a fight with a much younger version of himself. It's possible. I mean, I was watching the behind-the-scenes stuff, and the person they had doing the motion capture fighting was actually Eddie Deason. Oh. So it makes a lot of sense why Will Smith <laughs> yeah. had no trouble defeating him. Yeah. It's just not a fair matchup. Because sometimes Junior is like a little baby Terminator, and then other times they're they're equally matched, and other times, you know, Henry is able to get the, the, the drop on him, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, uh, fast forward to the very end of the movie... There's a scene where the two of them are walking next to each other, and it feels like Junior is like a head taller than him. <laughs> yeah, spinal compression maybe, as he aged. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's wearing lifts. Who knows? Um, okay, you're right, you're right so, Jordan. There's like no. It would be it would be a stronger movie if it was like, oh, I can't beat myself at my physical peak, so I have to outthink him. Mm -hmm. But there's only a little bit of that. It's usually like I'm going to outpunch him. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the two of them can take so many hits to the face. It's crazy. And especially no. without wrecking those beautiful faces. I mean, I think they do a pretty good job of having the makeup reflect that they've taken some kind of damage. Uh, a, some. A little bit. Some. Yeah. Like this, it's as much damage as I would get from, like, falling and smashing yeah. my face on the ground. Again, this guy got <laughs> there yeah, that's fair. a motorcycle. <laughs> 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 he just got a little road rash. Um, okay, so, uh, they, so th as we said, they have a fight... Uh, the Danny manages to get a hold of the gun, but Henry's holding back. He doesn't want uh, he doesn't want Junior to get shot. 
they're battling. They end up in the water, which is, as we've learned earlier, Henry's biggest weakness. He's frightened of drowning. Uh, Danny comes down and, and shoots Junior in the shoulder to rescue Henry, and Junior escapes. Uh, they flee the catacombs. Uh, Baron picks up Henry and Danny, and they take that private jet back to the U.S. of A. to shut down the cloning project. Meanwhile, Junior's also back in the U.S. of A., and he confronts his father, Clavaris, about the whole situation. Uh... And I think this is where this is, Varys gives him another one of those like abusive dad talks, right? Where he's like convincing him that he's doing the right thing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is, I don't want to give it too much credit, but this is a slight stab at a more interesting villain because like, he's a bad man. I mean, we can all agree he's a bad man, but he does. Mm, I don't know. I don't know, Dan. Name one <laughs> thing that he does that's bad. He does believe that he loves his son in his own way and he's trying to protect yeah, him throughout yeah. the movie even as he's trying to kill the man he cloned him from. Although the, the justification of, like, sending his his son to kill his older clone to, like, battle his demons seems, no, it's all, seems it's, like that's a reach. Nutty. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's how a psychiatrist would describe it. Nutty. He's kind of like Thanos for me, where he's explaining his motive behind, you know, his evil plot. And I'm kind of, I'm almost like, oh, this guy's got some great ideas. I, I, does that make me a bad person? <laughs> well, yeah, what? you're like, maybe we should, maybe we should wor workshop this a little bit. Let's get uh, a little more uh, diversity in your writing than Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> well, and later on. Clay is talking to these guys, the other guy, the heroes, and he's like, I was going to have a whole army of just clones. No parents would ever lose their children again. No real people would die. And Junior is like standing right there. And it's like, uh, like, so, uh, like, am I? Hold on a second. No, no, no. You're, you're one of the good ones. You're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Junior, you're, you're like a person clone. You're totally cool. But these other clones. So he's a bad so dude. So Henry, Danny, and Baron, uh, you know, they touch down. Uh, Baron gives his private jet a kiss. It has served them well this entire movie. Um, They're running through a barn where they get ambushed by Junior, and Junior tests Henry by shooting him in the neck with bee venom just to prove that he is allergic to bees, because that's the only way to prove that they are clones. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, and by giving him the antidote, he proves that he's uh, he's not there to murder Henry. I guess. Yeah. I guess neither and of those they... tests really prove the thing that they intend to prove, since it's not like Will Smith is uniquely allergic to bees among all the humans in the world. Yeah. Yeah, That's that was kind he of... He gives him an EpiPen, and then he goes, epinephrine. Like, it, dude, I know. I'm, I'm allergic to bees. I know what an EpiPen <laughs> looks like. <laughs> He's like, I, I know I'm allergic to bees. I travel around the world, and I kill things. Uh, you would think I would have a couple of these on me at all times, what, but I guess that not. That was what I was thinking. Like, wait, why does an older Will Smith have one of these? <laughs> that I, now, I would, now I wish I had seen a scene where... Uh, Junior is like, it's epinephrine. Let me use it. And, and Will Smith's like, I know how to do it. Just let me do it. And they're just arguing over which one of them is going to give the shot. No, yeah. let me do it. You need me to do this. I can do it. I've done this before. I'm older than you. Uh, that so this great. is where we find out how they've been tracked. Uh, Junior uh, cuts out a tracker that's been embedded in Henry's arm. I guess it had been embedded in him at, during a previous surgery. Uh, then they are driving to go take out the clone facility uh, they catch up, they, you know, they, you know, talk some stuff and then, uh, but then they get ambushed 
by uh, in a small town that looks surprise. Uh, I guess not that surprisingly, a lot like that model village we saw the uh, the Black Ops guys training in earlier. Uh, so they get ambushed, and a tank shoots their car, killing Benedict Wong's character Baron. Everybody's super sad. Everybody else gets out. And now, when I watched this movie earlier in the week, a military-style police response to a few people walking down a street seemed crazier than it does now. So uh, I'm glad I watched it a week ago when I was like, well, this is nuts. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't quite the fun escape I was hoping for at that moment. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so the, uh, we find out that Varys is on site. He, you know, he diverts police away. He's having his own team try and take out these guys, clean up this mess. Uh, I keep using that term because that's what they say in action movies. Um, okay. And, they secure uh, of the course, perimeter and so forth. Yep. Yeah. At this point, at this point, Junior runs away from Henry and Danny. Uh, I, I can't quite, and he goes to confront his father. I can't quite tell. Did he intend to lead them into that ambush? No, I don't think uh, was so. Was he still working for his dad? No, at this no. Point? At this, well, maybe, maybe he's worried. They think that I was on. I was understanding it as Clay has now ambushed all of them because he doesn't trust Junior anymore to get the job done. Because yeah. and here's the then because then Clay is really ready to argue with Junior when Junior shows up. Clay isn't like great job, buddy. Thanks, thanks, Sonny boy. You did it. There, you, you let him into the ambush. He's like, "What are you doing?" Well, and uh, Clay also tells yeah. Junior to run. Like when they're in the car, he he calls Junior oh, yeah, up and true. is like, "Hey, get out of there!" Get, like that's true. Yeah, and and this is the scene when now he's he starts arguing with Clay and they have a fight. And Junior, the super assassin who is so skilled that he had to be a clone of the greatest assassin <laughs> in the world, gets his ass handed to him handily by Clive Owen, a man who is older than Will Smith, yes. I think. <laughs> And this is the scene where I was like, uh, why did they just clone Clive Owen? Yeah. If that was- <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of thought that was what was going to come uh, later on, but it didn't happen. Um, okay, so meanwhile, Henry and Danny oh, get and some he goes, guns. He goes, my name's start- not Clive Owen, it's Clive O1, and then Clive O2, and Clive O3, and Clive O4. Oh, An army of Clive clones comes out. It's a real The Sixth Day. And it's all and he's it's Clive Owen from all his movies. Croupier, <laughs> Children of Men. Uh, what was that one he did with like Julia Roberts? Shoot him up. Yeah, shoot him up. Yeah. Did he do a movie with Wait, Julia Roberts? Julia what Roberts didn't shoot him up. What are you talking? No, about? not shoot him up. That's Monica. <laughs> that Bellucci. wasn't Julia Roberts. No, that's not the one he was talking about. And is that the movie where he plays? Bugs oh, closer. Bunny? Oh, close. Closer. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah, it's him from Closer. <laughs> what was that, Jordan? You were wondering if Shoot Him Up was the movie. He's a killer who chomps on a carrot all the time. <laughs> That's the one where when every time he takes a bite out of a carrot, his eyesight instantly gets a little better. Oh, I love that movie. It's so stupid. In a smart way. What a movie. Yeah. That's the movie uh, where he shoots the umbilical cord off a baby that he's just delivered. Yep. yep. So uh, Henry and Danny start taking out this kill team quite efficiently. I don't know why they've been training so much because they just keep getting smoked. Um, Junior fights with Varys. Danny gets shot and they uh, they end up getting like holing up in... Like some kind of like a machine shop or something. It's like to, it's uh, like a hardware and things you would use to stop assassins store. Yeah, so it's it's like a they prepare to make a last stand. They only have one bullet left. Uh, a couple guys run in and Henry manages to kill both of them with the same bullet because he's just that good, as we've already addressed. It uh, looks like things are curtains for them, but of course Junior shows up. He kills the remaining Black Ops guys. He rescues them. Hooray. Well, this Cut is after well, this roof. is after Will Smith has given Mary Elizabeth Winstead and himself axes 
because they don't have guns anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for this scene. <laughs> where <there's, Yeah. laughs> but that didn't happen. They don't actually fight with axes. So cut to the rooftop. Clay Varys has realized that his, his plan is in ruins and he has to initiate his, fi- his, his plan B when he uh, he brings in a secret bulletproof ninja <laughs> who uh, who like who, like runs around the yeah. building and where's uh, a where's a, style. a full face mask helmet? Yes, he's like a so he's like a identity. he's a real Daft Punk. If like Daft Punk, it's was like a, a or like Snake yeah. Eyes, who's a ninja. No, no, but if Daft um, Punk was a ninja, that's what he would be like. Okay, cool. If Daft I Punk, guess instead of you being, get partial credit instead of being two older French guys. I wrote down scuba ninjas because that's what they that's what it looked like to me. Scuba <laughs> yeah. ninja, yeah, yeah. But instead of jumping, uh, taking a splash into the water, he splashes into our hero's blood as he <laughs> kicks and punches them. Uh, and they keep shooting him, but the bullets just keep bouncing off. And this, uh, you know, this one, uh, this one bulletproof assassin is beating up all three of our heroes. It's crazy. Now here's and we, he's, he seems unstoppable. They're like blasting with shotguns. They throw explosions at him. It's all kinds of stuff. And this is we learn that he is a he cannot feel pain, but he's being shot in the head. Like even yeah. if it's not hurting him, like it's good. At, like well, it's causing brain trauma. It is like, that he keeps getting up. I don't know. It is unclear the degree to which like uh, it's the armor that he's wearing versus like his painlessness. What there is no yeah. helmet you can wear that is so strong that if you get shot multiple times in the head, it's not gonna like make it harder for you to get up and keep keep. keep I mean, this is fighting. a special clone helmet. Oh <laughs> yeah, we're That's we're through the they looking glass the here. They cloned a regular helmet and they removed the parts of yeah. the helmet that break. <laughs> they, they they cloned they cloned the best helmet yeah. in the world. <laughs> they, all the, every part of him is the bet. They found the best pants in the world and they cloned them. They found the best boots in the world and cloned oh, those. It's, it's Serpentor all over again. You can't so, see, but he's wearing underneath the shirt. He's wearing the best puka shell necklace on a little piece of rope yeah. in the world. Yeah. After after much battling and blasting. <laughs> The the bulletproof assassin collapses. They have defeated him. They go up and remove his helmet, and it's another young Will Smith under there. And I gotta say, I mean, even though it wasn't that big of a surprise, it was kind of rough. Like I found this to be kind of affecting to see to have this feeling of like endless like young black faces on like dead soldiers like it was pretty rough right there it was rough and it but it was also one of those things i like i i found i also felt that way at first and then i was like why did they send him in the first place yeah why are they wasting time yeah. with junior like, no, he's better and like he can't even at this point he can't even like this like it's not addressed whether or not he can't the 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 super assassin is dying and can't talk or if like he like the ability to talk had been cloned out of him yeah. like it's this horrible moment it's it's a and that's when clay comes out and he's like oh we were gonna have an army of he- of henry clones and it was gonna be great for everybody not the clones but come on they're clones right who cares right junior oh i mean uh junior i didn't realize you were here oh boy and uh this is when uh junior has a has a moral choice to make guys and it's a moral choice that after Stuart explains it i'm gonna go into why i've started hating this part of the past <laughs> few movies i've seen it in Stuart, do you know which one I'm talking about? Are you? I mean, I, I don't know. So, Junior has his his uh, his super shotgun placed at his father's face, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you." And Henry Henry steps up, and he's like, "No, you won't be able to live with the guilt. That's a choice you you shouldn't have to make. Killing your own father, you won't be able to come back from that. You'll be irrevocably changed." 
So he takes the gun away, and then he blasts him himself. And this is the thing I've seen in a bunch of movies. This made me think of Rise of Skywalker the most, where the hero has blown away endless cannon fodder. People who oftentimes were just maybe ex... In the world of Gemini Man, they're ex-military who now work for this evil company, where they're you know police officers who got kicked off the force or something, and now they work for this, this sort of thing. And after killing swaths of those, they get to the one guy who's responsible for all of it, and they're like, no. Don't kill him. It would be wrong to. The same way how in Rise of Skywalker, how many people has Rey killed in those movies by this point? And she gets to the Emperor and he's like, hey, hey, if you kill me, everything will go even worse. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't give in to hate and kill the Emperor, even though she's killed hundreds of people in cold blood. And the Emperor, Empire is, Emperor is murdering thousands of people at the same time. Like this idea that once you get to the person in power... It becomes a moral choice of whether to kill them or not, and it's the high road to yeah. not kill them. Oh, oh, oh. That it's better to kill it's better to kill an army of nobodies than to kill the one somebody who's responsible for it is not a thing that I that I hold buy, up, you know? Elliot. Though, like this okay. is not an exact analog because the reason specifically here is that he's shooting his surrogate father. Now, the part I find weird is the way where Henry's like, "Hey." If you kill your dad, you're not coming back. And then he, like, shoots the kid's dad right in front of him. Right in front of him. I mean, if, if I was Henry, I'd be like, this will give you the closure that you need yeah. to get out of this relationship with this dude. Like, <laughs> like, Yeah, this is the Angela Bassett blowing up the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Freud tells us that we want to kill our fathers, and finally he has the chance to do it. I just, I th- it's uh, it, the idea that, it's, it's more the idea that, like, hey, you're never going to be able to live with yourself if you kill this guy. But I killed a lot of people. Yeah, 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 but this guy is a movie star, so let me do it instead. Or maybe there was something in Will Smith's contract where he was like, yeah, 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 but the real me gets to kill the bad guy, not the clone me. And Ang Lee was like, but Will, you play both characters. Yeah, yeah, but the real me gets to kill him, right, not the clone? But Will, you're both of them. They're both Will. The same way, there's an old story about, um, I think, Joey Bishop, that there's, there used to, on the Joey Bishop show, there was a character who was like his cousin that he also played, and he would get mad because the cousin had more funny lines than he did, and they'd be like, Joey, you're playing both characters. <laughs> like, what, why do you matter if the jokes come from Joey Bishop or Joey Bishop's cousin? That's what it feels like. I, th- I do think that the moral issue that comes into play here, actually, for me, Elliot, is sort of the, a different one, which is like, in these movies, they should get to the bad guy and not kill him. Because they're like, they've killed everyone else in self-defense. Now they have this man dead to rights. Like, they like apparently he's operating, like, way off the reservation at this point, based on the way the movie wraps up. Uh, you know, so, in, like, if the movie's like, oh, I'm so tired of killing, take the fucking guy in and have him arrested. Like, it's so I weird. I think maybe seven years ago, I might have felt the same way. But now I'm like, no, the world would be better without Clive Owen in it. And I mean that about the actor Clive wow. Owen, too, guys. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love Clive Owen, the actor. He's great. You- Shoot him up. I love it. But th- that I, at this point, do you really believe that that guy's going to get taken in and go to jail? Look at Eric Prince. He's still out there, and he's the same character. Well, I, uh, okay. Uh, I, 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 uh, I just think that the whole point of the movie, like the moral like point of it, if there is one, has been like I'm tired of killing, so I I don't know. It just seems weird that like they've got him captured and like every. I guess I'm angry more that every action movie has to end with killing being the solution to all of the problems in the movie. 
Yeah, then I think maybe Gemini Man is not the movie for you. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh so Clive Owen's character is dead. We now cut to a college camp. There's probably some other bullshit, but we cut to a college <laughs> campus. Well, the, uh, where- Henry Henry meets up with his old boss, and his old boss is like, "All the bad guys are gone. It's nothing but good guys now." And Henry's like, "Hey, even though you let everybody try to kill me, we're cool." And that's the mm-hmm. end of that scene. So uh, there, Henry, Danny, and Junior are walking around a college campus. Junior is the new cool freshman. <laughs> he's got a, a great the, group of friends that he's he's. he's and they, yeah, they just walk walking around up wearing a sweater under a denim jacket. Yeah. I just kept being like, yeah. he must be so hot. <laughs> a sweater yeah. under a denim jacket, and it's sunny out. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes you make sacrifice for fashion, Elliot. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. But you know, they walk do. around, and they like tell jokes and shit, and then they make a point. The movie they ends. make a point of saying, "Oh, that was the only other clone," which I thought was weird. They're like, <laughs> everything's wrapped up tight. <laughs> the this. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming like this end, scene was added late in production. Maybe the end question mark starts rolling on screen and Will Smith pushes it off and goes, nope, that's the end. No unanswered questions. No sequels, please. I, I mean, honestly, like there were parts of this last scene that I thought were affecting in the sense of like, OK, well, now they have this surrogate family, like a thing that none of them seemingly had had before. But it, it goes on at least three times longer than you think it's going to. <laughs> It's a very long scene, and at the end, it's fading out as Will Smith is explaining to Junior how he's still tougher than him, even though he's older, and it's just Will Smith talking. You don't hear any of the characters as it, like, pulls back, and at a certain point, I was like, is he talking to himself? Like, is he just a—was this all in his head, and he's a crazy person wandering around this college campus, like, talking to his imaginary clone? Feels like they're making all this effort to identify that, like, yeah, we get it, you're clones. What, you don't have to tell me again. It's the end of the fucking movie. (laughs) I definitely think they added this scene in later. It looks terrible. <laughs> it feels really rushed, and everything, and it it feels like it comes out of a different movie. I mean, this is one where I was like, "There's something refreshing about the fact that Junior is just gonna try to live a normal life now." Although this, he's going to college, and they're like, "Here's your new identity, new passport, new social security card." And I'm like, "How did he get into college yes. without any of that stuff? Like, did he did he enroll at, for, uh, with, at college as Junior R clone? Like, what? I don't understand." Yeah, because this scene is supposed to take place six months after everything else happened. So, what what have they been doing the past six months? Yeah, I mean, probably teaching about all the pop culture that he never got to see because Clive Owen wouldn't let him. So, like, they watched all the all the Marvel movies. He's like, this is a movie called Bad Boys 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now, there's some stuff in it that's not great. They do drive through a shantytown. <laughs> but if you can ignore that. <laughs> We're going to watch all the best movies ever made. Pursuit of Happiness. Concussion. Focus. <laughs> uh, guys, let's wrap this up. Let's do Final Judgments. Uh, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie you kind of like? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think I know where Jordan is. She seems to have a great distaste for this movie. I got to say, I kind of liked it. You know, like the first hour I thought was pretty solid. Uh, that action sequence was great. The middle part I was pretty bored by when they were started like, getting into the moral implications of everything and i'm like this movie's not well written enough to make me care about all these characters uh but then the end was exciting like as long as this movie's an action movie i think it's fun uh i think mary elizabeth winstead in particular is good and benedict wong is good and i think that this movie probably would have played better 
when the script was written before like we'd already seen the born identity and looper um yeah but yeah. that's what i have to say what do you guys say uh i would i also was coming down on uh kind of liked for basically the same reasons like there's a couple really good action sequences in it i think it is it's a pretty dumb plot for a movie and it like almost touches on interesting things but doesn't quite go all the way there but it might just be that my standards are at the usual level for the movies we watch that as soon as i started watching it and i was and i was like oh this isn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be oh yeah oh this action sequence is really good i was like okay this is a solid like i don't know we'd say like two and a half star movie something like that which would be which to me is like it's a saturday i'm sick this comes on tnt okay i'm gonna watch it yeah I think it's a movie I, I kind of like, actually. I um, it, it's This whole time, Jordan, I thought you were going to get really mad at us for saying that I kind of like it. It was, too. But then I remembered the end of the movie and how silly and how much it made me laugh when I saw the final Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, it, doesn't, it takes itself too seriously uh, in certain parts, but I, uh, the action sequences are, are pretty solid. Uh, I think that uh, this movie... Could have starred, you know, any number of people. I think that they wanted uh, Mel Gibson at one point. I could see like a, a Bruce Willis or something like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I kind of like it. Yeah, I like it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm with I'm with all you guys. It's uh, I think the when the action scenes are moving, it's pretty fun. I, I actually I had a, I I thought Will Smith was pretty fun in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I thought Mary Elizabeth Winstead was fun. In it. I thought Clive Owen was like a good, creepy skeleton. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, and it, I don't know. Maybe I was like, it was both uh, escapist, but also it made, it made me think about uh, the world a little bit and made me sad. So cool. Uh, now, I wonder if we, so we, I watched this on my computer. So I didn't see it in the like 120 frames per second that it was supposed to be projected in. And I, and that I, did you guys see it that way or? Uh, couldn't tell or no i don't i mean is that something that you is that something that's possible on like normal televisions like i i don't it know it looks like a I normal movie know. to me and I, honestly elliot i i was meant to say something about this but i forgot i wonder whether like the uh, you know it's not a great movie but the outsized critical rejection of this movie i wonder if it was because it was done in that high frame rate that everyone seems to hate Oh yeah, could be. Well, I, actually, I, I when I, I watched it last night, but I watched it in Peter Jackson's screening room oh, in New Zealand. Okay. <laughs> it's Wellington, New Zealand, so I'm allowed in. Oh sure, of course. And now, so that's the screening room where everything is 120 frames per second, and also they just insert CGI hobbits into every movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. So you thought for this whole time that he had a sidekick who was a hobbit. It's well, it's weird because every movie comes uh, every every movie you watch there is actually twice as long as the original. Yeah. <laughs> It's split into three, even though there's no real reason to... So you watch the Gemini Man trilogy, and you're like, mm-hmm. ah, it's weird that Junior and Will Smith are doing this song about washing the dishes. <laughs> Makes sense, though. It was in the book. Gemini Man the book. <laughs> yeah. By Gem R.R. Mankin. <laughs> All right. And we may... Uh, I should have said, said Gem N.I. Mankin. Yeah, next time. Uh, I think if if you if if nothing else, I think our listeners owe to themselves to watch that Cartagena action sequence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Wait till it's free somewhere. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, or uh, or I don't know. Do or don't. I don't know. It's uh, but it, this reminded me a little bit of our Doolittle experience, where I went into it being like, "This is gonna be nuts," and then I was like, "All right, this is you know, it's just a movie." 
Yeah. And we made it through without uh, Elliot ever singing Send in the Clones. So it's a win for all of us. Uh, now. Now. Now I, now I, the idea comes in. <laughs> Why couldn't you have done that earlier? Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community, and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority, Minority Corner. Corner. Because, because together, together, we're the majority. majority. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we, ma- we are married... And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. So, <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Here's a quick word from Squarespace, one of our beloved sponsors. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful, customizable <laughs> templates Created by world-class designers. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. A new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. And free and secure hosting. So go to squarespace.com flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, Dan, I had an idea for a website and I was wondering if Squarespace could help me with that. What do you think? Go on. Uh, sure. Let's hear it. Okay, here's the problem. You live in the United States. Your clone is in a laboratory in Hungary. How are you going to mm-hmm. send it to you? Well, sendintheclones.com sends clones to you <laughs> from anywhere to anywhere. That's right. Send in the clones is the top clone delivery service. Getting your clone from whatever back-to-tank it was bred in to your home. And you'll remember the name, sendintheclones.com, because of the jingle... Send in the clones, send in those clones, send me my clones.com. But the URL is not send me my clones.com. It's actually send in the clones.com. Please disregard the first part of the jingle. It's send in the clones.com. Now, are so you, you wedded to that jingle, that? Elliot? Or I think I there's some edits I could I mean, suggest I, to you. I mean, I paid Alan Menken to write <laughs> okay. it, so I feel like I can't really afford to get a That's new one true. right now. Okay, well. Our second uh, sponsor for today's show is ExpressVPN. Now, Mm -hmm. you know that uh, ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online. 
But did you also know you can use it to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries? Say you uh, want to watch your Rick and Morty, but it's only available on Netflix France. Or say uh, you're a big uh, Will Smith fan after watching this and you want to see uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Netflix Australia. Well, Mm -hmm. you can use ExpressVPN for that. Now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you run out of stuff to watch. So you can use your ExpressVPN to change your location to almost 100 different countries. Just think about all the extra libraries you'll be able to access. Uh, it's fast, so you can say goodbye to buffering or lag, and stream in HD with no problem. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on a personal device or on the big screen, wherever you are. So uh, visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com flop and get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash flop. It's crazy that, uh, or amazing, I guess, or crying, whichever Aerosmith title mm-hmm. you want to use, that yeah. our screens have gotten so small that the TV is now the big screen. It used to be the little screen, and movies were the big screen. Now TV is the big screen, and phones are is the little screen. Is this another Andy Rooney bit? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Speaking of people whose names sound kind of like Andy Rooney, Randy Newman just came in with another jingle okay. for, uh, for 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 sendingtheclones.com. Uh, Randy, you want to hit it? Sometimes you got clones, and you got to send them around. Sendingtheclones.com, mm-hmm. because you got a friend in me. Every single one of your impressions is merging. <laughs> <laughs> um hey guys uh I, I think you got some jumbotrons you want to read yeah we do oh, Stu, you want to go first or should i go first uh i can go for wait you go first i gotta find it <laughs> okay this message is for cody mason and it's from gail kelly and it says we had to postpone our wedding due to covid you're quarantining with your future in-laws and you still manage to make me laugh each day I love you, and I can't wait to get married as soon as we get the chance. I hope this message makes you smile, and maybe you'll even get a special Elliot song out of it. Here's to more years of love and good, bad movies. That's a very sweet sentiment. I don't appreciate being dragooned into singing a song, but I'm going to do it anyway. Wow, uh, the first time on. he's ever been at a loss for words. <laughs> oh, wow. There's not. They didn't give me a lot of hooks. Anyway, oh, oh. So you're in a house with your in-laws, and you can't get married right now. I guess there's only one thing to do, and that's to go to sendintheclones.com. That's right, <laughs> sendintheclones.com. So does that work as a jingle? or? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for today's purposes, yeah. Okay, how about this? I'll do it in the, in the, in the persona of Gail, who sent the message. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cody, thanks for all the stuff that you're doing right now. We'll get married someday, I promise. At sendintheclones.com. Oh, did I forget to mention you can get married at the site also? Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. All of the clones are uh, ordained. Yeah. What, 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 what? Jumbotron. Jumbotron alert. <laughs> Two expatriates from opposite sides of the world talk about modern and classic Japanese animation together in Tokyo, Japan. Join hosts Ian McAfee and Mark Heath for a highly casual and hilarious look at the politics, philosophy, and production of anime. Just search for Animagnorant 
like ignorant and anime smushed together, in iTunes slash wherever and su subscribe. That's A-N-I-M-E-G-N-O-R-A-N-T. Do it. Hey, guys, I got another another song for Gail and Cody. Okay. Uh-huh, yep. Should I go for it? Okay. Sometimes things seem sad. Sometimes okay. you're gonna get mad. Because uh -huh. COVID canceled your wedding. And I'm betting COVID took the deposit and put it into its bank account. But hey, keep looking for a brighter day. Because love is stronger than viruses. That's right, love is stronger <laughs> than viruses. The math works out. Put a virus and love in a jar okay. and shake it up no. so they fight. And the love no. will come out is, the winner. This is misinformation. Some, of course, sometimes love can give you a virus. <laughs> but hey, that's okay, because love is stronger than viruses. And the greatest medicine is love, Jesus love, Christ. love. From below or above, it's love no. stronger than viruses. No. Send in the clones.com. Woof, no. no thanks. <laughs> oh, not medically accurate okay um mm. elliot uh we teased our live show earlier would you like to give more full information about the live show that is happening if you're listening to this on the day it's released it is happening tonight that's right this episode comes out saturday june 6th correct well today is saturday june 6th if you're listening on the day of release and tonight saturday june 6th at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern that's right 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific the flop house will be coming to you live over the internet it's just like if you went to go see the flop house because they went to your city but now nobody has to go anywhere we'll be broadcasting from our houses direct to your house what are we going to be talking about well a little movie called howard t duck that's right actually mm -hmm. the movie's called howard the duck i shortened it a little bit but it didn't save a lot of time because then i had to explain it that's right george lucas's classic story based on the steve Gerber Gene Colan comics about a duck from another dimension where ducks have boobs who gets dropped into Leah Thompson's lap and has to fight uh, alongside Tim Robbins against Jeffrey Jones. That's right, it's Howard the Duck. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and yet clearly I remember more of it than I should. I'm excited to watch it again. How do I watch this, and why are we doing it? Well, we're doing it to interview you, the listeners and viewers, but also we're doing it for charity. We're going to be uh, have a list of charities that you can donate to during the show. Uh, it's going to be on our website. I'll give you the information for that in a second. And if you donate, you'll be entered into raffles. That's right, raffles. We'll explain that in a minute, or rather Dan will. For more information, go to theflophousepodcast.com. That'll tell you how to go see it, or I'll tell you right now. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash theflophousepodcast. Go to theflophousepodcast.com. It's all there. Go to the Flophouse Facebook page. All the information is there as well. Dan, uh, tell us about some of these raffles, huh? Is that raffles the famous uh, literary, uh, like, the gentleman, like The gentleman thief? cat burglar? Well, yet again, yeah. you took the joke right out of my mouth. So I, I won't talk about that. But I will say, I, I want to backtrack a little bit. I will say that, uh, yes, as this is, this is for charity in the sense that we'll be asking for donations. But it is entirely free to watch. Um, we're just trying to, uh, you know, use the power of a free to watch live stream to uh, uh, get some money out there to some worthy causes. Uh, and yes, if you donate to any of the charities that are suggested on the website, or you know any charity, basically, uh, send us um, your receipt. If it's over twenty dollars, this is just. This is just mostly actually to keep the work down on my end, so I'm not deluged by receipts, but also to encourage generosity, $20 or more. Hey, that's what you pay for a ticket anyway. You get entered into the raffle, and you will get, uh, if you win, we're going to pick out three people to get prize packs of some Flophouse merch. 
that uh, was to be our touring merch. We don't know when we're going to tour because of the pandemic, but uh, you can have it early if you win. And this is new merch. This is merch that new has not been merch. sold on Flophouse Tours before. All new. It's never been. Beautiful merch. Never been sold to anyone before. So that's today. Currently collecting dust in my basement. Oh, yeah. It's going to be real good and dusty. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Saturday, June 6th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. You want to hear us talk about Howard the Duck? Yes, you do. Are we going to have presentations beforehand, like at a live show? You betcha we're going to with slides and everything. That's going to be at youtube.com slash C slash The Flophouse Podcast. Or if you don't want to remember all that for more information, just go to theflophousepodcast.com or our Facebook page to find out the information. Uh, and we'll be explaining more about the charity stuff during the show itself. Uh, just remember, if you go to the YouTube page and you don't see it, refresh the page and the video should come up. That's a little tip. From a pro. Now, That's right, oh, a professional well, yeah. YouTube watcher. IT I do want to. I do want to say uh, you called it George Lucas's Howard the Duck. I want to make it clear that Lucas produced Howard the Duck. It was, of course, directed by Willard Hyuk, who wrote American Graffiti and more American Graffiti, uh, Temple of Doom, uh, Radio Land Murders. He also wrote and directed uh, Best Defense, the movie where um, uh, Eddie Murphy was added after bad test screenings to a, uh, a Dudley Moore comedy about uh, a defense contractor. Uh, and Howard the Duck looks to have ended his directing career. That is his last directing credit. So No, but you're right, Dan. George Lucas notoriously hands-off when he produces things. <laughs> I'm sure he just slapped his name on it I and let the director do whatever I, look, he wanted. I just want Willard Hyuk to get the uh, credit he deserves for his yeah, work. Yeah, he ended on a high note. So uh, that's our show then. What do we do next on this, Dan? Uh, next, we uh, answer letters from listeners. Or just read them. Hey, no. hey, send us a letter. Maybe with a clone in it. Send in the clones.com. Great. Uh, this first letter is... F- I, can see, I can see Jordan marking time codes in her head. <laughs> cutting all of those. Yeah, should I just be... Should I be clapping? Should I be clapping, <laughs> <Just> Jordan? <constantly. laughs> She's wielding her power with an iron fist. Um... So Gus, last name withheld, writes... Gus Van Sant. Hey, Peaches. Oh, wow. Long-time listener, first-time writer. I'm in my early 20s, and I'm frequently lost when it comes to the references used on your show. Years of listening and re-listening to the podcast have made it... (laughs) Wait, hold on. This early 20s guy isn't hip to raffles? The gentleman (laughs) cat burglar? (laughs) Well, I don't think that's of our time either, Elliot. (laughs) If you're a aficionado of... Uh, Victoriana maybe you'll uh... anyway uh, I'm in my early 20s and I'm frequently lost when it comes to the references used on the show years of listening and re-listening to the podcast have made it feel like I have watched some of the frequently referenced films just through osmosis but I've actually sought out some movies because of how often they come up on the show I'm wondering what you all would include in a Flophouse Essentials list a list of movies, television or other media that are frequently referenced, or just a good starting point for understanding your humor. Some examples that come to mind are RoboCop, Night Court, and The Road Warrior. Keep flopping in the free world, Gus. Uh, well, you know, uh, DuckTales comes to mind, of course. The classic DuckTales, the cartoon, part of the mm-hmm, yeah. new wave of Disney uh, television uh, cartoons. Uh, the Disney uh-huh. Afternoon. Yeah, based on the works of Karl Barks. Who I recommend you seek out. Um, what else? I don't. I don't know. Are there any movies that are essential to understanding the 
things I like. I don't talk about any movie individually that often. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. No, uh, uh, no it's we... Castle Freak. I would recommend watching <laughs> Castle Freak. Watch the special edition that has all the scenes, not this one that most people have watched. Uh, Castle Freak, directed by Stuart Gordon, R.I.P. A King. Uh, Columbo, maybe? What, what do you got, Elliot? Uh, I think if you can go watch uh, old episodes of 60 Minutes to see Andy Rooney in them. Uh, and I guess watch Tango and Cash uh, for Sylvester Stallone. And I guess watch, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tango and Cash is a good one. That oh. basically sums up everything we like about movies. <laughs> I guess, everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think so. God. Uh, I don't know. I think that it's, here's, here's what I would say. Much as when I was a, a lad and I was watching Mystery Science Theater and I didn't understand some of their references, I just looked up. I did some research, and back then I had to use books, not the internet, to find out what <laughs> yeah. that thing was, and I watched it. So just kind of like, don't look for a quick quick uh, solution. Pick out when a reference is particularly intriguing to you, be like, I need to find out what that means. Sometimes don't. it might just be a, it just, it's, I mean, sometimes it's an ad jingle from when we were kids, and yeah. it won't be worth looking up. <laughs> Save but. some time and don't. You know, this exercise has made me feel uh, almost older than anything else, but... Uh, now, well, that Dan, that says that says more about your physical being than, than any kind of exercise yeah. like this made you feel so old. Yeah. Now, Jordan, I'm led to believe that you have listened to the show before. Is there any uh, is there any reference you find that we make a lot that is baffling? Uh, I'm not baffled by any of the references. I've been uh, uh, listening to the show for much longer than I've been on as an associate producer. So I think, yeah, your advice to you know Google is your friend. If you if it sounds like a something cool, I would I would definitely look it up. I'd maybe dig into Randy Newman's back catalog. I don't know. Is there was there ever a time was there ever a time you remember listening to the show and you were like what are they talking about? You used to talk about theater a lot more. Of course, now you know no one can really go out and see a show on Broadway. But I, I definitely remember in the, in the, in the before times, Elliot talking about different stage plays that I, I had never heard of before. That's also, that's, that's uh, also a consequence of my having children and never getting to go to the theater anymore. Oh, uh, I used to see so many shows, so many amazing shows. And yet, what was the last, the last play I saw? I don't even remember. Mm. Maybe I never saw a play. Maybe I dreamed it all. A beautiful yeah. theater dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so... Oh, no, wait, it was Matilda. Was... Oh, okay, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, the musical. Alright. Uh... Uh, and it's... And you're talking about the stage play, not not the book, right? No, no, I saw the book sitting on a stage. That that doesn't answer... That's not a stage play, then. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The last one I saw was probably then Twelfth Night. The book. Sitting the on book. a stage, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Hamilton by Ron Chernow. It was sitting on a stage. Uh, oh, man, these just keep being books. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I gotta look back to find when there was one that was actual person, people. Oh, it was probably the Adams Family. Book Wait, of Charles book? Adams cartoons. <laughs> okay. No, you know what? I think you know. I think it was Wicked. The book. Uh, sure. Yeah, these were all books. Fun Home. Yeah. That's another book. Okay. Yep, yep. Anyway. it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a fun game for listeners. Uh, if you can think of a play that isn't a book, I don't know, go tell it to the Marines. You know, I think, you know, the last one I saw <laughs> like, was like probably... Like the Monster Squad, write in a note to the Marines. <laughs> yeah. They'll come to your town. The, uh, I think it was probably Tootsie. The screenplay. Okay. The screenplay of Tootsie was sitting on the stage. That's a real stretch now. Okay. Um, this next... This next... You know what? Oh, it was it was Blue Man Group. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Where's this going? The book? 
Okay. Um, this next letter is from Adam Last Name Withheld, who writes. Adam Triver. Dear Flophouse, yeah. I started a podcast about the TV show Home Improvement called Home Impodcast, but now everyone keeps asking me to hang their shelves slash refinish their hardwood floor and assuming I'm a conservative. <laughs> what should I do? Question mark, exclamation point. I can't do the voice. I tried to do the grunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll try it again. Do it. Do the, do the, the caveman grunt or whatever it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Not bad. Wait, I, I, got, I got one. More power. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, well, what about this? What about this? I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Oh, oh yeah, you did that. <laughs> hey, do you guys remember when the youngest son got, like, super into new metal? That was really yeah, awesome. Yeah, near the end of the run, he turned really goth. So uh, so yeah. the problem that the, that the writer is having is that their home improvement podcast, people think that he is an actual home improvement guy. Or you think you think he's Tim Allen? Because who else would want to do a podcast about home improvement? Or oh yeah, I mean it's like that Sopranos podcast. Yeah, I, I like uh, this is obviously a podcast driven in large part by nostalgia, and uh, the problem he seems to be running into is that uh, Tim Allen has turned out to be uh, 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 not a great uh, human. Yeah. Wait, the Tim Allen who went to jail for cocaine sales. <laughs> Yeah, Before he was one. a television star? No, yeah. the Tim Allen that ratted out all of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one that Dan liked, right? <laughs> yeah. What, home imp- that Tim Allen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah no, the only one I like yeah, is when, the when, disembodied when Galaxy... voice that uh, does Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, his, when Galaxy Quest came out, Dan was like, oh, just do some commercials about how great Michigan is. That's what I want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Galaxy Quest came out, Dan's like, What's all? Uh, what's up with all these lame actors that aren't Tim Allen that are in this movie? <laughs> some sort of Rick Man. What is this all about? Clone them in some sort of Gemini Man uh, situation. Yeah. They could all be played by Tim Allen. In the future, all restaurants mm-hmm. are Tim Allen. Anyway, that's a reference. That's a that's a Demolition Man reference that you've rolled into a Gemini Man reference, like a turducken of references. <laughs> Um, it's it's a reference to Tim Allen being in Galaxy Quest in the future of Demolition Man. Mm-hmm. But he's also a restaurant, <laughs> with, anyway. With some Gemini Man sprinkled on it. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, last letter is from Jen, last name withheld. It's very short. Uh, this is regarding Canadians having sex. I believe we asked whether they uh, whether they did it. And uh, When was that? What, what possible context would we have asked that? I have that no in? idea. Jen, last oh. name withheld. Care of a Mountie, maybe? Uh, and Jen says, absolutely not. So there you have it. Canadians <laughs> do not have sex. Okay. Oh. Uh, somebody update that Wikipedia mm-hmm. article. <laughs> uh, Drake is a Canadian, and I'm pretty sure Drake fucks, so. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I don't know. This person knows everybody in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Drake seems pretty busy cheering at women's basketball games. Yeah. I don't think he has time for that sort of thing. I mean, Rick Moranis has kids, so I guess, yeah. Jordan, your eye roll when I brought up Drake's uh, WNBA fandom was fantastic. <laughs> um, well, that's letters. That's our segment called no. Letters. I guess I okay. guess we need to ask a question. We need to ask, does Leslie Nielsen have any kids? That's the only way we'll find out for sure mm-hmm. if Canadians have sex or not. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's recommend movies. Movies that you can watch if you like uh, instead of Gemini Man or in addition to. We don't control you. Um, what am I going to recommend? I... I watched uh, 
I'll tell you, Dan. You were going to recommend Galaxy Quest, but they're all Tim Allen. It's a pretty good movie, <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Uh, yeah, of course it is. Um, no, yeah, no objections there. Uh, let's see. Oh, I remember. So I watched... Um, so Raising Kane is a Brian De Palma movie that uh, was greeted with great derision uh, when it came out. And I remember... It's also, uh, it's also the inspiration for a fast food chain that sells chicken fingers. Oh. Uh, I watched it as... <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh, localized in like Kentucky maybe I'm not sure. I, I watched I watched this movie also as a uh, young man and I thought it was bonkers and kind of fun um, but I could see definitely why it was uh, disliked and then recently there was a fan edit I believe it was that resequenced the movie. Um, per Brian De Palma's original script and original uh, uh, intention for the movie, the movie had been resequenced by the uh, studio, and he liked it so much that it became the official director's cut. And I watched that, and the movie is still uh, a very strange, overheated movie, but maybe a, a good version of that. Like I, my favorite. Like he's a very divisive director, and I don't. I, I understand if you don't like him. And there's some stuff that is uh, gross in his his filmography, but I like him the best when he's taking absolutely absurd thriller plots and raising them, raising the absurdity through like pure cinema. And this movie has a crazy uh, climax that plays on three uh, planes of height simultaneously, like you see what's going on on three levels and uh just as like uh an exercise in filmmaking it's quite something to see so uh that's my recommendation see the recut version if you can of raising cane okay that that movie was on uh that movie was on like uh, when i first moved to a new house when i was a kid it was like the first time i remember moving to a new house uh, my parents got a satellite dish, so we had never had cable or anything, and then all of a sudden we had a satellite dish which had, like, everything. It would have, like, movie channels that would play the same movie over and over and over and over all day long. And Raising Cane was one of the first uh, movies that I saw. I watched on one of those things. So I remember seeing it a lot, but since it was constantly cycling, I, like, never knew where it began or ended. It was just always racing. <laughs> well, also the movie like jumps around in chronology uh, and does weird dream sequences. So it would be very baffling if you saw it that way. It, it made watching third rock from the sun. Very strange for me <laughs> because I was so used to racing Kane as John Lithgow's main credit. I'm going to recommend a movie called extraordinary. It's a spooky comedy, uh, uh, starring Maeve Higgins and, featuring a bunch of other people in Ireland. Uh, it's about some uh, ghost hunters and uh, evil uh, wizards, and it's funny, and Will Forte's funny, and uh, it manages to be, like, sweet, but not overly saccharine. Uh, it's funny and weird, and uh, though it does have a fair amount of special effects, I don't feel... Like, sometimes a, a, a special effects-driven comedy can be... Uh, I don't know, like, I, it'll... It'll be less funny for me, but uh, this one worked. I liked it. I'd recommend it. Extraordinary. Uh, okay, Jordan, what have you got? 
So I wanted to recommend a black film because uh, this week has been really trying for the African-American community in America. And I wanted to recommend uh, 1991's Daughters of the Dust from director Julie Dash. It's uh, beautifully shot, beautifully directed. Uh, I really like it. I think that uh, you'll, if you haven't watched it before, it's a, a great film to kind of just decompress to. And uh, if you've seen it before, it's a, a great film to return to. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Daughters of the Dust. Mm-hmm. Daughters of the Dust is like kind of like a dream vision movie. It's like a dream vision, and it, it has a quality to it. And one thing that I really like about it is it's just black people in a time period that we don't really uh, look at from that angle in, in you know, American entertainment. Just black people minding their black-ass business. I love it. <laughs> Put it on the poster. Uh <laughs> I'm going to recommend a uh, Japanese movie. That's right, guys. We're continuing my strain lately of rediscovering Japanese cinema. Uh, I saw recently a movie called Funeral Parade of Roses. This is from 1969. It's directed by Toshio Matsumoto and stars the performer known as Peter, who uh, you may know as the fool character from Ron. Akira Kurosawa's King Lear story. But uh, uh -huh. Funeral Parade of Roses, it's kind of like part retelling of Oedipus Rex, part retelling of All About Eve, part documentary about the 1960s what they called in japan the gay boy subculture which was kind of the very early stirrings in japan of uh of transsexualism and homosexual identity over there and part kind of jean-luc godard style new wave collage of styles and it's in some ways about the way that left-wing art and this kind of new for japan kind of like exploration of uh of sexual polarity was merging together but it's also kind of a suspense movie where you have to puzzle out the backstory and it's just really interestingly put together and the photography is great like the images are super sharp and exciting and there's all sorts of formal tricks with editing and things like that uh that are real neat and it's just uh, like a real it's just a really unique movie so funeral parade of roses a movie that is a real experience i'll tell you that wonderful Four movies. Four movies. <laughs> Four, movies. Four action blockbusters. <laughs> all on one DVD at your local video store. Oh, Raising Cane. Extraordinary. <laughs> Daughters of the Dust and Funeral Parade of Roses. Now available in one set. Fled. <laughs> Chill Factor. Uh, uh, guaranteed would, entertainment. Tar target. They would they would have those DVDs where it would be like, it would be like Chill Factor, Hard Target, The Fugitive. And I'd be like, how did The Fugitive get thrown <laughs> onto this thing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's what you call a loss leader, Elliot. Yeah, I guess so. Be like, Back to the Future, uh, Losing It, <laughs> Screwballs. Yeah. Like, why did they, why did they throw these movies Teen on the same Comedy classics, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh, well, that's our show. Um, hey, guys. Great to be here. Great to see you. <laughs> Jordan, thanks for being is it, here. Is it great to be here, Dan? <laughs> Jordan, thanks so much for being here. I want to apologize in person and on the podcast for the way we consistently forget to credit you at the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, we hope you enjoyed your time as a, as a member of the Peaches on camera microphone as opposed, as opposed to when you're usually just backstage. This has been so much fun. Thanks, guys. Uh, hey, one last uh, appeal to watch us on the live stream tonight. And even if you don't, you know, donate to a charity. Now's the time. 
Um, but uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon for the Flop House. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And I'm Jordan Cowling. Bye. Bye. So, Jordan, how many of those send in the clones do you think you're going to cut? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. It's good to have somebody on our team. (laughs) MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.